Welcome to the Old Dog New Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff West, and I'm going to spend some time talking about tech and looking at how the old dog ways really are all that old. I'm going to look at some integration ideas, discuss some successes and failures, and show you that it's really not about being perfect, but it's about being patient when it comes to integrating technology. I'm a high school educator, been teaching music band for most of my career, but I am a a big tech enthusiast, and I really enjoy uh, researching and finding answers and ways to integrate tech that don't take up so much time. Let's get going. Well, hello and welcome to episode 16 of Old Dog New Tech Podcast. I'm Jeff West. I hope you are uh, had a good week. October is a crazy month for those of us in the marching band uh, seasons. If you're competing, uh, my best of luck to you. It's a crazy time, rehearsals and buses and lunches and rain, especially here in Michigan. It was 80 in the midweek and now today it's around 50. So big changes always in October. You never know. And it's a crazy busy time. This is episode 16 and the big tech integration, the big questions, the big things that you're going to do. That's what I'm looking at today. As I was reading a blog post about eight tech tools every new teacher should learn, and I was struck by the number of additional articles that there were and lists of eight or ten things to do something like, like video or digital quiz or oh, uh, testing, assessing. And I thought that this was great. I thought it was a great article, especially if I want to use a video um, application or make a digital quiz. But what if that's not what I want to do? How do I know what I want to do? So I would, uh, I thought I'd take a look into this and go back. I am early in the podcast episodes. I did uh, an, an episode about where are you, where you at with tech integration, with the use of tech. You know, I've taught for 25 plus years and I've seen a lot of things come and go about the, this is the best thing and the greatest thing. Um, but my opinion here of tech is is that it could be and probably is the best, strongest tool that we have seen as teachers in my time as a teacher. Um, and there have been some, some great innovations, uh, whether actual physical or methodologies, but uh, uh, the tech has so many opportunities for personalization and differentiation and um, uh, using data, uh, that I think it's important that it it gets done the right way. And so taking a look at where you are at and what do you want to use tech for, um, it, these are important questions <clears throat> Excuse me, to answer every time that we start to use it, tech to decide if we need to use it. So let's take a look at it.
A lot of blog posts focus on lists of great tech tools for specific classroom use, and these are awesome, but this can be misleading when it comes to meaningful tech integration. It's easy to focus on tech and not the teaching, and that is the danger of tech integration, of technology in schools. So I thought I would review a few articles from Edutopia, which incidentally, ironically enough, in the article that I uh, referenced in my opening, uh, was one of the tools that all new teachers should should learn and should know about Edutopia. It's an excellent collection, excellent uh, resource of that addresses gosh, just about everything when it comes to tech integration, but also just in teaching. It's not just tech integration. Have excellent, um, excellent authors. Also, I want to be sure that I'm keeping teaching and learning at the center of integration and not the tech. So this is kind of a, an evaluation for me. Um, I needed, I need to, to check on that probably more often than I do, but I, I find myself getting into my teaching and I get into those routines that I've had established for 20 plus years. And then, um, all of a sudden I look at, a, a the use of tech that, a piece of um, a piece of technology I used in the classroom, and it didn't go well, or I'm it leaves me a little empty, and I'm thinking, okay, it's time to take a look at these questions again. What what's going right? What am I doing? What am I not doing? What do I need to do? So I have to admit, sometimes the excitement of the tool, I think, just engages the students. However, in the long run, it's not always the best way to do things. So in the show notes, I included a few articles from Edu uh, Edutopia, and I'm sure you can find some other articles, but I, f I found these uh, meaningful. Um, and then I would suggest that you check out the lists of things. So first, you know, what and how are you going to integrate? What are the things to do? And then look at the tools. What are your, you know, obviously your student needs need to be there. That's why you're going to be, that's why you're going to use the tech Remembering that SAM or, or any of the models uh, of tech integration, any of the research uh, uh, gurus are, always show that just using tech for tech's sake is just not going to produce as meaningful of uh, results. People like uh, Seymour Papert, Black and Williams, Dr. Rick Stiggins, and SAMR developer uh, Poit. Quintendura, pardon me if I uh, messed up that name, suggests that based on their research, that knowing where you are and where you're going and how you're going to get there help to ensure that the teaching and learning stays the focus and tech remains the tool that helps you get there. Liz Kolb, creator of the Triple E Framework for Tech Integration, wrote an article for Edutopia about research-based tech integration strategies, and she cites the following uh, three things, three strategies. Keep learning social, ensure that tech adds value, and make learning authentic. And for me, my rehearsals and classes are quite social to the point that I am trying to teach my high school students how to stop the socialization so learning can take place. I mean, there's no problem with the talking and getting along with each other and joking around. That's great. I'm glad that they do that and they have fun. But there, are, you know, as we all know, there has to be a time when, when that stops and learning starts. But students, in order to get them to take control of their learning, it's that transition 
from that fun time to learning time, which hopefully can remains fun or at least engaging, um, that they need to learn. And so particularly, just as a side note, I was talking about how this is a sometimes a, a more mature way of, of doing things. And so they're making this transition and it's a growth growing up period. And um, so we, we were talking about that uh, this week, particularly about how it's all right to have fun and, 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 uh, and joke around and so forth, but there comes a time where work has to take place. And I think that's, that's an old, uh, that's an approach that I was taught way back when, 25, 30 years ago. And, and I think it's still here today, although I think from time to time, some folks get a little too light and they ignore that too much. And I think the research shows us that you've got to have some order, some procedure. The human mind likes that. It's comfortable. It knows that if this, then that, then enables and creates a learning environment for, for meaningful learning, for enhanced learning, for all those words, you know, those buzzwords that we see. So learning still teacher-driven. Uh, in my classroom, I find that I'm driving it, but I'm always trying to facilitate a student-driven student, student -driven classroom. It's a challenge. Um, I'd like to have the students drive the classroom, but they don't always have the experience or knowledge or are ready to take the responsibility of just running rehearsal. My older students are, are um, uh, probably the exception to this rule. They have done a, a fine job this year of when I say, okay, what do you want to do today? What do you want to work on at this rehearsal? And I try to provide that opportunity from time to time. And usually what they're saying is exactly what I would have said. So they're, they're um, finding and evaluating. Um, but how do we get there? It's, it was interesting for me to note watching them do this, the slowness, the from point to point and, um, you know, there are just rehearsal techniques that I've developed over 25 years that where I move rehearsal a little quicker and and I evaluate and communicate the evaluation and get right back to playing um, much quicker than, say, someone who's just learning that. And um, so, you know, I try to balance between those two. But this is, and again, I'm speaking to the keeping it social, you know, so we're we're talking. There's an exchange of ideas. Uh, and. While I'm not using tech per se, at this particular point, um, I'll speak to how technology has freed me so that I can teach in this way. Um, I think that's an important point. Uh, we, we shouldn't put a box around these three uh, strategies. I think I think that can limit then their, uh, the opportunities for tech to enhance learning. So I've been noticing that the questioning techniques that I use, uh, review, I think it was episode 14, where I was talking about reflecting questions and made some suggestions, starting to pay off. Those questions are paying off. My students are starting to ask the questions without prompting. Um, and, and this is in whether it's a guitar class or in, or in a rehearsal. And uh, I also want to know how difficult it is or was to let go as a teacher, as being the primary resource. Uh, it's not comfortable. Um, it is not comfortable, but it got a lot more comfortable when I watched my students start to take 
and go with it, you know, just slowly, just little steps. And now they're starting to uh, walk and heading toward the run, you know. So first there's baby steps. And the ad's value, the biggest value is my use of tech for more protect, productive and organization. Uh, this freeing me, thus freeing me to to teach and facilitate better. I'm able to communicate and connect past classes with today's by using Google Slide Presentation as a daily agenda where I can add content and review past slides as needed. And the students can do this as well since I embed this on Schoology or I would embed it, put it in any website or any other LMS. Authentic value, that was number three in the strategies, comes from, um, or rather comes in the form of the stories that I tell about how the evaluation and reflecting techniques that I'm teaching will transfer to the real world. I'm constantly saying, you know, if you're paying attention to how you're playing, you're looking at the criteria. We have five particular points we're adjudicated on pretty uh, consistently throughout the, the uh, festivals we go to, be it marching or band and orchestra or jazz or solo and ensemble, that this criteria will be much like criteria they would use in any job they may have and asking the questions and reflecting and evaluating and developing a plan, it's all the same process. You just plug in different criteria. That's the biggest thing I can teach them, I think. I'd, of course, I want them to be great players and the band to sound wonderful. But um, that happens as a result of their understanding of, these, of uh, evaluating and reflecting. Anytime I use technology, I ask the questions of how this could apply to future tasks. I ask the kids this. And some of the students make suggestions about ways to use tech and share co and collaborate on future projects or tasks within uh, the, the group. And this has just happened by me continuing to stick to and um, use the same questioning techniques. I don't think you can do it once or twice and exp and then draw uh, an evaluation of whether it's a successful task. Um, I've done it for a year. And I did see some things changed in the, within the first year. But now this year, the students who had the year with it are getting comfortable with the questioning. Lastly, I think that tech is not the answer to revolutionizing education. I think that plays a, a, a part in, in tech integration, is understanding what its role is. And I guess to some extent, ignoring those who disagree, because I think you're just wrong if you think that the tech is the tool and we should be using tech no matter what. I just think you're missing out on some the human factor that is always there. And I think we're seeing that now if you do some reading on research, like any tool, it's only as good as its users. So figure out where you are or your students are and decide how you're going to get to that next place you want to go. If you're going to integrate a tech tool, review the articles like this one by Liz Kolb and keep in mind, keep in mind the things they point out and see how it applies because those are articles written by very learned uh, educators, um, the variables that are in your classroom that your students bring, uh, you are the professional there. You need to be the controller and not feel that you're just the worker bee that, oh, I read this article, so I have to do it this way. And if I don't, I'm not doing it right. That may not be the case.
There's always going to be exceptions. I would say the majority of the time, yes, they're right. But keep in mind your role as well, that you know your kids, you know what you need to do, you know your strengths and weaknesses, and keep asking those reflective questions. My tech treat for this week is another Edutopia article by Vanessa Vega. She's a senior uh, writer, researcher for Edutopia, and she did a technology integration research review avoiding the pitfalls. And she cites the following pitfalls in the tech integration. So as you use the strategies that I've talked about previously in the podcast, here are some pitfalls to just keep in mind. Recent studies indicate, she states, this is a quote from her article, studies indicate that only 23% of teachers feel prepared to integrate technology with their instruction, and when they do integrate technology, they tend to use it to present information rather than to provide hands-on learning for students, meaning that there's perhaps not the support system there, uh, professional development system. So I don't know if you're feeling that way and you think you're on an island Obviously, uh, was that 60, 77% of the teachers that they polled feel the same as you. Only 23% felt prepared. Also, a little pitfall, test drive your equipment. If you decide you want to use a tool, take a few minutes, work with it, maybe even do a practice run with a couple of kids or colleagues. Design your use for universal access. Universal design for learning um, talks about and has uh, uh, guidelines for providing multiple means of representation, of reading, um, and also adaptive technology ideas. So if you have uh, someone who has, has a, a reading challenge or maybe as uh, a nonverbal student, um, Making your use apply so everyone can get to it and not just say, well, you just do your best, the rest of us are going to move on, nah, or whatever might might be the case. I, I got to say, I have never seen that happen. I have seen where you just say, do your best, and you try and and make adaptations as best you can. Avoid the fallacy of the digital native. In other words, don't think your students know everything because they don't. Um, my students know are very good with social media and games, but that's about it. And even on social media, they're not always as much aware of the tools or ways it can be used. They're, they're into the feeling good aspect of what social media and games provide and not so much the doing good aspect. It's not the case. I'll, you know, again, so none of these are, uh, apply to everything all the time, but it is a majority. And lastly, and this one is uh, like the first one, not as much about the integration, but about the um, uh, integration in classroom, but as, as much as integration in the school. Increase the value at the same cost. So sometimes a free tool may not work with another piece of technology. She suggests not to settle for decreasing costs for equivalent outcomes. Many times, decreasing costs will decrease 
say, the collaboration options. And that is one of the primary pieces or tools, uh, features that technology brings into the classroom. So, you know, kind of speaking to, say, the IT director there, maybe, or the administration, but, you know, sometimes you say, hey, this is a great tool and it's free. And then you get in there and, well, you can only share it with five people or you can only do three projects. You have to buy the subscription to get the full, uh, full menu of features. So as you're going through the tech integration and you're trying to put it into the classroom, just trying to give you a treat here that says, you know, you're not alone. A lot of people don't feel uh, prepared. I think it's up to us to make sure we voice that. And so people know that we don't feel prepared and uh, see if we can help solve that problem. And the big one for me is don't avoid the fallacy of digital natives. Your students are going to need some practice time, some modeling. They'll get it. When they do, you know, they're going to take off and it's going to be super fast. And then you're going to be trying to keep up with them. But at the start, because they're good with a smartphone, doesn't always mean they're good with a device. You take care now, and I hope this helped you a bit. Good luck. And leave me a review on iTunes. Send me an email if you have some suggestions or a comment. Love to hear from you. You take care. This has been the Old Dog New Tech Podcast with your host, Jeff West. I hope you enjoyed your time. And remember, with EdTech integration, it's about being patient and not perfect. Perfect.